Well, that was a bit of an awkward start. So, how's everybody? <laughs> I, I was going to say, you really let that last note ring out. <laughs> there's, something, there's something, I don't know, we're doing a more art, artful film tonight, so there's something artistic about starting on a, on a black screen versus I going thought, right to the two-shot. I thought you were going to have us come in in slow motion while your while your theme song <laughs> That's a good idea. I know. That's a really good idea. I, I thought about all the various different things. Welcome to Jay Hutch Talks Too Much, everybody, by the way. And uh, we're talking about Rushmore. Look who's back. Joe Lasko's back. Uh, you may remember him from such episodes as uh, Self-Directed Education, episode number three, in case you want to go back into the archives and check out check out the classic Jay Hutch videos. <laughs> it was a good Welcome. one. It was a good one. <laughs> it was a great one. Yeah, it was. Welcome back, Joe. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Yeah, today we're talking about Rushmore, Wes Anderson's 1998 movie, Rushmore. And uh, yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to think of how could I use StreamYard effectively to try to like, like get like yellow lettering or something oh, on yeah. screen. But uh, that's a lot of effort. And I, and I really didn't spend that much time uh, thinking about it, but it would have been a great idea. Can you use the font, like the fonts for the names? And uh... I don't think we have any control over that. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to look into it now. That's fine. But I did try to perfectly center myself like a kind of way. Actually, I, I chose the image for this video because I thought it kind of looked a little bit like. Yeah, the, like the color, the colors the, behind you. The Yeah. There's, there's yellow, yellows back there. Things. Yeah, I think it, I think it works. Um, so. Uh, so, Joe, uh, I we were just talking a few minutes ago uh, about uh, sort of our shared love of this film, and I wanted to get you on because back when we worked in the same room together for a long period of time, I remember us talking about Wes Anderson quite a bit. But mm -hmm. I, I wanted to know sort of first before we start sort of maybe what your um, – uh, how you came to this movie, if you could recall that, or what are some of your earliest memories of, of watching Rushmore? Yeah, yeah, you mentioned, and I've been trying to think about when, like, my earliest memory of it. I remember, I remember seeing it when it, or when it came out, and the reason I saw it was because my brother had seen it, and my brother was always uh, uh, much cooler than I was, and and he he would sort of latch on to these, the, you know, these movies, and and he said, oh yeah, there's this movie Rushmore, and, and you know, I. I I, he told me what it was about, and um, and so I saw it, and uh, it was it was one of those movies that on the first watch I I didn't I think I was, I was so young I didn't fully get it like I right. didn't fully get it, and it wasn't until uh, after not getting the Royal Tenenbaums the first time I saw it, mm -hmm. and then you know like people insisting to me that you got to watch it again. And watching Royal Tenenbaums, like I said, I think two nights in a row. I didn't. I, the first night, I was. I didn't really get it. The second time, I was dying. I was dying. Mm. And then, uh, and then it occurred to me, hey, maybe I need to see Rushmore again as well. And so I went uh, to the uh, to the local blockbuster and 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 rented it. And probably the same blockbuster that I went to many many a time. Uh, it probably was. It probably Is it on Bloor Street? uh no not that one okay 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 no no it was the one 
uh, I don't, near Humbertown. I don't know, near the Kingsway. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I and I and I loved it so much, and I ended up stealing the DVD. I kept it. <laughs> I just kept it because I, I I I couldn't get enough of it. I I watched it constantly. Um, and it you, you may be it the reason. Actually chain, it, it, it turned me into a real motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> a Wes Anderson fan, in other well, words. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> it solidified me as a Wes Anderson fan. But I wanted, you know, I, I just, I wanted, uh, I loved the way that Max had no fear. And uh, and it, I wanted to be like that. Right. Yeah. I, um I uh, I was gonna say you you may be the reason why Blockbuster went out of business. I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't the only movie I I kept. Oh my god, yeah. there's a whole record of your. I don't wanna, we we'll talk about that off the air. Okay, fine, that's fine, that's yeah. fine. I, I was gonna say I there I don't know what's happening with this with this podcast because we're actually talking about a movie that I saw in the theater. And that's, I thought I was pushing it last movie when I was doing one that was made during my lifetime, which I did. <laughs> Thief for, Thief was made in 1981. I was one right. years old when that came out. Right. So I thought that was going a little bit too far in terms did of- you, Did you fall asleep in the theater for that one or did you did you make it through? For, uh, for Thief? No, yeah. I, I was riveted. I was right. riveted when I saw Thief. By the way, which theater did you see uh, Rushmore? Do you remember? Rushmore, I would have been in Oakville, actually. It wouldn't okay. have been in Toronto. Um, but yeah, so I, I saw I saw it there. So that's the first movie we're talking about that I saw in the theater. I would have been about 18 years yeah. old when that, yeah. when that movie came out. Yeah. Um, I think, no, I was going to say, I think I've seen every Wes Anderson movie in the theater since then. Um, I missed I missed the Darjeeling Limited. I didn't see that in the theater. But I think I've seen everything else. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. So um so but yeah, it's 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 quite and I was gonna say we were just talking about this before. I got the got the DVD here. Um so it is one of my favorite movies as well. And you were saying it's your favorite movie. It is my favorite movie uh of all time. And I've I've said that for years and years and years, but I haven't watched it. I haven't, you know, it's I, I've I've talked about rewatching it for years, and you you talk about rewatching movies, and you, sometimes you get around to them, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. Especially if you have kids, you really don't. Yeah. Um, but finally, you know, you asked me to do this, and and uh, <laughs> and I rewatched it last night, and I am happy to say that it is still my favorite movie of all time. It's a masterpiece. It's perfect yeah. in every way. Well, I don't think, awesome. I don't think that there's I don't think there's a single misstep in the in the movie as a whole. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a very, it's a very tightly made movie. First of all, it's quite short. Um, yeah, although, you know, 88, 88 minutes. Yeah, very short. Um, I was just saying to my friend Anders, who I had on to talk about Thief, that, you know, I, I'm not one to say that a movie should be a certain length because I like really long movies yeah. and I like really short movies. Um, but it is, it is a very compact film and a lot happens in that in that time period in that 88 minutes of the film mm -hmm. um, a lot goes on but uh and everything is kind of to me sort of very tied up quite quite nicely in that movie i i totally agree and you know it says something about uh wes anderson's confidence that he he kept it at 88 minutes right yeah he, that that runtime because um 
I don't, I don't know. I just, I remember growing up, there, there, there's always been, 90 minutes has always been like the minimum mark for, for a film, right? I don't mm -hmm. know why I've got that in my head. It's just anything, anything below 90 minutes, uh, I, I don't know. It's um, well, When we were kids, 90 minutes was standard. That was fun time. Yeah. yeah, that was almost every yeah. movie was somewhere between like 85 minutes and 100 minutes, usually somewhere in that right. in that realm. And most I don't remember any being below 90. And, and so, you know, right. for him to, to maintain 88, I'm keeping 88. I'm not, right. I know Joe Lasco will not call this a real movie unless this hits 90 minutes. And I'm keeping it at 88. I'm doing it anyway. It shows his confidence. Yeah, it really does. It really does. It's like when and then he thought, you know what? He's not even going to play. He, then he said, he's not even going to pay for this movie, so I'm just going to keep it at 88. <laughs> In fairness, I paid for it once. That's true. That's true. Oh, I that paid for it twice. I paid for it in the theater, and then I paid for the rental. So, right, 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 right. That's you, true. You can cut that out right now. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All right. I apologize for that. Yeah. So, um, now, I did, before we get into the real specifics of the movie, because there's a lot to talk about with the movie, um, but I, I want to kind of um, begin because, you know, Wes Anderson, I think, today uh, has a reputation um, with a lot of people like I, I i was saying to you before there's a lot of there's people who i whose views on film i really respect who's just views in general i respect some of them love wes anderson some of them hate wes anderson and and along those lines actually i want to share this review because because jacobin uh you know jacobin the magazine jacobin yeah. they did a, a review actually right exactly along these lines they did two reviews of this movie Really? <laughs> yeah, they did two. One positive and one That's not fair. You can't not, not do positive. that. You can't go both. You can't They're go hedging both. the bets. Yeah, that's hedging right. Hedging the bets. And uh but I like Jacobin normally. Actually a uh, um mutual friend of ours writes for Jacobin occasionally. Who's that? But, uh Aaron, Aaron Jovanovic. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but um um he didn't write either of these reviews. Okay. Uh so I want to just share and see if I can screw this one up because so far everything is hold on a sec. So, okay. So I'm going to share this, this review. This is from the, from the uh, less positive review, but this is just from the very end of it. And it's a review of his, his latest film, but I know you haven't seen it. It's not going to give really anything significant to okay. it, but this is what it says. And I think that this kind of speaks to a lot of people's problem with, with Wes Anderson. So they say, you know, it's not as if there's absolutely no reason to see the film, which gleams like any finicking, high-quality, obsessively polished craftwork, and even has glimmers of real insight and humor and affection here and there. But as always, you have to fight your way through the suffocatingly arch-Andersonian sensibility to get them. This is hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, get I'm, 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 uh, I'm fighting my way through the suffocating... Uh <laughs> Hold on a second. Arch uh, Jonesian. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Arch Jonesian sensibility that's writing yeah. this. Um, guess what Anderson, the ardent Francophile, names the make-believe French city where the French Dispatch, a Kansas-based a Kansas publication, is generated? 
Ennui sur Blasé. Do you find that charmingly fresh and funny? Then this is the film for you. Though I admit it's hardly worth recommending or not recommending Wes Anderson films anymore. He's such a distinctive and well-known quantity for good or ill. People who bother to read film reviews have either already decided to see his latest effort or else they know that they wouldn't be caught dead seeing it. And that's a matter to be worked out between you and Le Bon Dieu. Okay. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a review that's, you know, I, again, it's not totally negative on uh, on Wes Anderson, but it, I do think it speaks to what a lot of people's mm -hmm. issue is with him. But in my view, it kind of I'm glad that he gets that kind of, of a response. I think that that speaks to how good he is, because, yeah. you know, a word that came to my head when I was watching Rushmore and then came up in a lot of things that I was reading in, in preparation for this discussion was idiosyncratic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think all the best artists are idiosyncratic, you know, like in this, in this most recent movie, the French dispatch, he, he, two times I kind of recognized other directors at work in the film. And one was Fellini and one was, um, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah. And both of those filmmakers have very idiosyncratic styles. You can sit down, not even know who it was. And if yeah. you watch films by them before, you know, it's, you know, it's theirs. And, and this review, sorry for rambling, I promise you, you yeah, I will certainly let you talk yeah. about it. But um, there's, um, it reminded, that review reminds me a little bit of, um, forgive me for even saying the name of the film, but it reminds me a little, little bit of the movie Annie Hall, where um, in that movie, they're in a lineup and this guy behind them is droning about like, we saw the latest Fellini, it wasn't very good. He's yeah. so self-indulgent. Yeah, great, great scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that review kind of reminds me of that. And it seems to me that if you have, even in life, if you're not a filmmaker, you're not an artist, if you have anything re closely resembling a personality, there's going to yeah. be some people who really like you and there's going to inevitably be people who don't. Yeah. Um, you can't if you have a if you have a personality, you're not going to be able to please anybody. Um, people who please everybody don't have personalities. It strikes mm -hmm. me. Um, and so I'm kind of glad in some ways that he, he, and that's why I think people who I respect can dislike him because people who I respect can dislike other people of whose personalities just don't jive with them. I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? No, I think, I, I mean, uh, I, I think that that's a brilliant way of, um, of explaining it. I mean, th this is, this is why there are so few uh, great auteurs, right? In, in film is, is um, that you have to be fucking awesome in order to get away with um, having a, a, like such a distinct style that is recognizable um, across the board because mm -hmm. um, really uh, it, it, there's not a lot of room for failure anymore, right? Uh, right. And, and if you fail, as a filmmaker, especially, um, you, you need to uh, make yourself almost invisible in the next one, right? To get right. back on track. Um, so I think it's, you know, obviously it's a testament to, to, to Wes Anderson. Like he, he has inspired um, so many, so many filmmakers, so many artists, like so few other filmmakers. Like, I mean, you can put him, we can probably list on, uh, on one hand the, the filmmakers that are making films today that um, uh, are uh, that inspire others like Wes Anderson. Like, uh, I'll try. Quinn Tarantino, Wes Anderson, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, 
um, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan and who am I missing? I know I'm missing someone, but really, I mean, maybe it's four. I don't know. Um, it, it might just right. Like so, yeah. what 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 does that say? I think an even more interesting discussion is is what does that say for um, uh, you know the appetite of the audience that mm. um, we there we don't allow. Um, many filmmakers to stylize their their films like like they used to right like when mm -hmm. film was in in you know the golden age in the 60s and 70s when yeah. you, it was highly stylized and and that was accepted and loved and, and adored and and you know criticized but not to the point of saying you know well you're going to make up your mind if you see it or not because if you <laughs> like one if you've seen one you've seen them all and if you like one you like them all which is not actually true yeah. I think very, that's very minimalistic because there are, um, you know, I think anybody who, who enjoys Wesley Anderson movies can say, yeah, there's tears, right? Like there are definite tears. Yeah. See, I think I, I tend to think that, you know, I, and maybe this is just my optimism because I know a lot of people who will, who I've said this to before and they'll, and they, they believe I'm too optimistic about it. But I think that I think that if more people had generally access to these movies, knew that they even existed, because I bet you if you asked your average person, do you know there's a movie out right now called The French Dispatch? They would say no. Agreed. I would guess. And yeah. I I think that if they had the sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but that's amazing. Yeah. Like that in itself. Yeah. You know, to to with the number of films this guy's put out, it's that, that is amazing. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people, if they went to go see it, it would probably at first be jarring, but I, I think that it, it kind of like your experience when you first saw Rushmore, maybe, um, or the, and the Royal Tannenbaums, um, like it would be jarring, but then after you see two or three movies that are like that, that have a kind of idiosyncratic style, Arch Andersonian or or uh, Arch Tarantino esque yeah. or whatever. I think a lot of people would 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 enjoy it. Now Tarantino does get an audience, yeah. but um, and so does Christopher Nolan for yeah. the most part. But um, but uh, but a lot of the other ones don't. Like I don't think there's going to be much of an audience for the the new P.T. Anderson movie no. that's coming out. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think so either. So, um, you know, they'll have some people, but, um, but I, I think, I think most people, uh, this is such a digression. So forgive me for this, but I remember, um, cause my daughter was really into the movie frozen back in 2013. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> like any kid that yeah. age. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, but I remember after that movie came out and after it became the most one of the most successful Disney movies, I remember reading, I look, I was just kind of reading about it and I found this message board from before the movie came out and somebody obtained a synopsis of the movie. This is what the movie's going to be. It was a pretty accurate synopsis. Like it was, right. it was really loose, but yeah. How did you stumble on a pre-frozen message board? I mean, what, sorry, what were you looking for? I was looking for information about Frozen. I'll, I'll admit to that. I'll admit to that. Okay. All right. Okay. I have no problem with that. Okay. I was. Uh, my name is Jay Hutch, and uh, <laughs> I enjoy looking at Frozen message boards. Okay. 
So we, <laughs> so I was looking at the message board and uh, they had a, they had a synopsis and and then some somebody responded by saying that movie's not going to be successful. And they said why? And they said well, there's no uh, the 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 princess doesn't marry the prince at the end, and that's the formula for print, Disney princess movies. Right. And if you and if you alter that formula, it's not going to be successful. Well, cut to you know a year later, and it's the yeah. most successful one ever. And I just think that, like, I think that people have this, and studios have this perception, right? That the audience is not ready for, um, you know, something that takes risks and something that's a little bit yeah. idiosyncratic. Yeah. But I don't think that that's true. And I think, you know, there's so many, there's so many examples examples that demonstrate that, like, like the fact that Tarantino's movies are so successful. And I just think that if people had access to these things, they would, they would enjoy yeah. them. Well. Um, I, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because people do have access to them. Like, yeah. I mean, this is not, this is what, what, what number is this? Is this like 10? How many? I, I, I don't count. Anderson? Um, I'm not sure. We can, we can quickly run through it, if, but we're going to lose half of our five people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is mathematically impossible. But <laughs> in any case, so, uh, you know, they're being made. And, and as you said, there's, there's still, you know, the, the, the marketing budget is still small. And yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I'd like to think so, but you know, we, we may also have to uh, accept that. Um, I don't, I, I, I was about to say that we're in the minority because we're not in the minority as far as Wes Anderson fans go. Like there are many, many, many Wes Anderson fans go, yeah. but I think generally people don't want to be challenged in, in, in their entertainment. And, and uh, so ideally, yes, but I'm not so sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated issue. And I think too, that like, I, I, I will accept the argument. I think it's a legitimate argument to say that like so many people are, are, are run down just by, you know, the day to days yeah. of life and things like that. And, and, you know, if you spend all your day working and then, you know, yeah. um, being a parent and all that, your your instinct is probably not to see you know the foreign film about you know that 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 deals with class structure. Although lots of people watch Squid Game, but anyway, that's that's one thing. Um, but, yeah. but they're uh, but they're more likely to watch you know uh, um, a superhero movie or something like that. Well, I and I, I agree, I agree with that, and I sort of liken it to this: is that um, you, it's one of those things that. You, you know would be good for you and but you ultimately you tell yourself you're too tired to do it right it's like um i don't know it's like exercise right mm -hmm. like it, 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 yeah i should do that but i'm just too tired i don't have the energy and then you do it and you go wow i've got so much more energy i'm gonna do this every day and then the yeah. next time next day you go oh man that was great i'm gonna do that oh wait i'm too busy no now i'm too tired and and uh and you get into that that funk but if, cause, okay. So I'll, I'll put it this way. So lately I've been watching sort of trash. Like it just, it's, uh, I've been tired. I've been, and, uh, and last night I put this movie on and I was, you know, really into it. Cause I knew we were going to talk about it. I made some notes and the end uh, after I was just, I was just feeling alive again. Right. Like, right. I, you know, like this is freaking great over the weekend. I, I watched Minari. I hadn't seen Minari yet. And oh, that's a great movie. Great movie, Victoria yeah. Henderson, Parasite. So we watched that, and I saw that again. And, also and, a great movie. Also a great movie. And you yeah. and you you realize that how how good 
this stuff is for you. Like mm-hmm. it's really good. Mm-hmm. But ultimately you're going to forget and you're going to get tired again and you're going to go back to watching Squid Game or whatever, That's true. whatever it is. That's true. I don't, I should say, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind that show. It was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know how I felt about it. I felt it's like a, it was a few episodes too long, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yes. I agree. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. So um, what do you think of the ending? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. But it's funny, like, I mean, to me, like, even even movies, like, people will, I think when I say, like, what some of my favorite movies are, like, yeah. I'll say, like, I like uh, Wild Strawberries by Ingmar Bergman, yeah. or, you know, Eight and a Half by Fellini, like, oh, yeah. Vita. And people are like, oh, that's, you know, that's know. heavy stuff. I don't really think there's all that much going on in that movie. That's, that's, yeah. that's difficult. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like wild strawberries is about an old man driving across the, yeah. the country to get an award. Like it's not, yeah. I don't know. I just think that, I think people psych themselves out a lot of times with a lot of these movies. I think you're right. Well, what, what do you think? What did, I, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it, but what did you think about HBO? remaking scenes from a marriage oh i haven't seen it either i i, I to be honest actually i haven't even seen the original okay. scenes from from a marriage Great. well it's so long yeah and i and i'm i i actually am in the middle of a years-long project of watching because i had started watching his movies back when i was a teenager but yeah. i thought at one point i'm gonna actually watch it from a, a certain beginning point because you know, Bergman doesn't really become Bergman until a certain yeah. point. And yeah. then and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna watch them all in, in chronological order because I didn't want to watch his last movie, Fanny and Alexander, until I right. uh until I see I had seen them all, basically. Um and so now I'm just going in chronological order. And just the other day I watched um Passion of Anna, I think, which is a late sixties movie. So there's a few one or two more, and then I'm gonna do scenes from a marriage, I think. Oh nice. Nice. I, I don't mind them doing that remake. I mean, I think it's good. It's good source material, but mm-hmm. I just hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't supplant the original. I can't imagine that it would, but I think they're. I think they're quite different. I. I'm, I will. I will see it, but um, you know, it's one of those things where you just go walk away. Let's just make something new. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, I, we've been far off of Rushmore, by the way. We have. I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. So. So I, I guess I guess um, so. Just to bring us a little bit back, because um, I, I you know I suggested that Wes Anderson's movies are are idiosyncratic, and yeah. um, you know I, I think that I, I I I think that that can kind of bring us back a little bit because you know the character of Max in the the main character Max played by Jason Schwartzman is himself very idiosyncratic, oh, yeah. right? And yeah, he's yeah. a character that you, the characters in the story either love him or hate him, right? Yeah. Like the Bill Murray character, um, Her- Herman Bloom loves him. Loves um, him. The uh, the teacher, uh, Rosemary, has mm-hmm. a love-hate relationship. She, I think, respects in many ways what Max stands for, but obviously is kind of victimized by him. Yeah. And you have... Um, um, the the headmaster of this school who hates him with a passion. What do you want? <laughs> but later in the movie, he's he's in a coma. If you haven't seen yeah. the movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It's the first words he said in 12 days. Fisher. (laughs) Beautiful touch. Yeah. Magnus. Magnus Magnus hates him. Uh, Every time, every time Magnus comes on screen, I I laugh. Absolutely. Can we, can we just, just, well, because I don't know how much we'll end up talking about Magnus, but can we talk about what a brilliant, brilliant touch that ninja star that he throws when he reveals to Dirk that that uh, Fisher said that he was getting a hand job from from Dirk's mom and the like, just that little touch of you know, of course Magnus is the kid that would be throwing a ninja star. Yes, yeah, the- <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Magnus. Yeah, no, that that is great. All, there's so many great little touches like that in the in the movie. Um, there's such, such uh, attention as always with Wes Anderson. There's so much attention to detail. Yeah. And then it's, it gets crazier because I right after I watched Rushmore and I, we, I won't take this too far afield again, but I, I turned on the the um, the um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. Which to me, those for me, those are the two great Anderson movies. And they're and they're two very different kinds of Wes Anderson movies. But it, Grand Budapest is an, uh, like a hyper Wes Anderson film. Yeah. And yeah. it's very extreme, um, but still extraordinarily detailed. Uh, there's just a lot more things to detailed about in that movie than there is in, in Rushmore just because there's you know an ornate sets and things like that it's massive right it's, yeah it's massive it's it's a to me yeah you're right it's it's a very different uh movie and um we talked about this briefly before but mm-hmm. um i i slot grand budapest into you know another another um I don't know what, what what would we call it? Like just uh, another phase of of Anderson's career that ended yeah. with the Darjeeling Limited. But um, yeah, a great great movie. And the touch, yeah, this was the first. Like you know, for for everybody who's seen Bottle Rocket, Bottle Rocket, um, you start you start seeing what Wes Anderson uh, and Owen Wilson were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, with the especially with the dialogue and and um, you know the the just the surrealism of all of it, but uh, it's not it's missing the the detail. And you know, obviously, it's not anamorphic. You know, widescreen, yeah. and you know, he was able to accomplish so much more uh, uh, with this one. But um, uh, the the details throughout are really what gives it. Um, not only the it, it, it's easy to say the style, but that's where the heart of the of the and I mean of all of his films. But but it starts here, right? Like that's yeah. where that's where the heart. And I think I think the greatest detail uh, in 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 the there's two. They come at the end, and they're both gifts that uh, Max was given. One is the Swiss Army knife that D- Dirk gives him. Yeah, and and what's inscribed on it? It's Rushmore. Um, Oh, uh, like class of uh, no, it's, it's the, the years nineteen eighty five to yeah, nineteen ninety eight. But, but it's the I actually I wrote it down. I won't. Okay. I'll look it up and I'll come back to it. But it's it's uh, it's just the 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 wording on it is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the typewriter um, that his mom gave him, right? That um, says "Bravo, Max, love mom," and that's right. the only thing that we get from his mom, right? And yeah. that's when. That he he gets those you know we see those two he pulls that back out, um, but that's that's when things he starts putting back together again, right? Yeah. Oh, Army knife. It says Rushmore Yankee. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Isn't that great? Like that yeah, yeah. that touch. Rushmore Yankee. The um, Rushmore Yankees. Yeah. 
I, uh, I, which is funny because that's in that that movie is set, although it never outwardly says, I don't think, but it's set in Texas. Uh, is that right? I, I didn't yeah. Know. Yeah. So I, one of the things that I read is that because Wes Anderson himself is from Texas. Yeah. And uh, which is which is unusual. It's not. I mean, I don't want to to generalize about Texans, but I just don't see Wes Anderson as as a as a Texan. Yeah. But uh, Owen Wilson Moore somehow. Owen Owen Wilson Wilson Moore. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but when Wes Anderson started scouting for locations, apparently for the movie, he was scouting all over the place in England and things like that. And eventually, he realized he saw pictures of his old school. Right. Right. And he said, okay, well, this is what I'm, I have in my head. Obviously it's locked yeah. in from when I was there. And so they, they decided to shoot it there at uh, a lot of it there. at the school. At the so school. Which, it was shot there, but was it actually set in Texas? I don't know if it was actually. That's a good set. question. I don't know. They never, they don't say, they don't right. say. Right. And it's such an, it's a very overcast film. Like when I think of Texas again, I think of some. Yeah. That, well, that's why I, th- I think East coast, you know, I uh, do too. Yeah, uh, and, and and you know, maybe it gets more and more over. You notice that, right? Like that's uh, again, yeah. great detail. It gets more and more overcast as yeah, uh, as it, as as things get darker and darker for Max. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, and also along, I wanted you know, there's this there's this quote that's in the movie that I wanted to read, and at one point earlier early in the film, Max is in the library and he's oh, yeah. reading this this book by so uh, quote. The, the Cousteau quote yeah. and the quote, and I wrote this down today. It's, it's um, when one man, for whatever reason, has he opportunity to lead an extraordinary life. He has no right to keep it to himself. And I kind of think, I don't know if this holds, but I, I have a theory that this quote might be a way to explain every single Wes Anderson movie. Mm. Um, that there's something about it, I think, at work in all of them. For one, Cousteau plays a role. I mean, uh, Life Aquatic is is uh, yeah. is a tribute to to Cousteau. Yeah. And um, but that quote, there's a lot, there's a lot in that quote. There's a lot that's going on because um, you know, this idea for one, I like how it's not just when an extraordinary man, it's when he has the opportunity to lead an extraordinary life. Mm-hmm. Right, which Max does. He's at this school, at least for a while, that affords him the opportunity to pursue all of these various yeah. things, right? So one of the big the one of the the very interesting things about the movie, I think, is the fact that Max is in all of these clubs, right? And that's why he doesn't do well in school, because he's in every yeah. club. He's the he's the he's the head of these clubs. Yeah, he's not just in he's founded a lot he's, of them. He's founded them, he's he's yeah. the president of them. Um, so yeah, he's, he's one of the worst students they've got. And he's one of the worst students that they've got. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't have that opportunity as much at his public school. He has some, he can still do his plays and he still does a couple of things, but, um, but he doesn't have the same kind of opportunity there. So, you know, there's something about Rushmore and, mm-hmm. and they make it clear that Rushmore is a really important thing to Max Fisher throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because it's like, it's the thing that gives him the opportunity to lead this extraordinary life um but also extraordinary right he's extraordinary he's not he's not an ordinary person right just like these films are not ordinary films they're 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 extraordinary well yeah i i i like what you're saying I, the, the one the, where i might tweak that is that i think that the, that what it actually is is that 
he believes, at least early on in the film, that it's Rushmore that gives him these opportunities to do these right. extraordinary things. But by the end, we see that he's able to accomplish them despite not being part of Rushmore. That's and, true. So it's actually, yeah. it's that he, he, you know, part of this is, is his self-realization. Yeah. Even though like, the, the kid could not be more confident, could not be more self-realized. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, uh, but it's his self-realization that he doesn't need to be in class, you know, dreaming of solving the world's hardest problem at, at mm -hmm. Academy. He's able to do these things uh, despite, uh, you know, not having uh, Guggenheim uh, to, or, or, you know, and, and, or, or Bloom or whoever it is. Like he, yeah. He, he, he wrote a hit play. What the hell did you ever do? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and the difference I, I think is, is him going through and realizing that like, that's actually probably enough. Yeah. I think that that's true. So I, I, I suppose I, I, I will tweak it and say that, you know, Max, Max, knows how to take advantage of a good opportunity basically yeah for so, sure you know he was able to do that at 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 rushmore and 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 yeah he still he still has the opportunity to do that he he sometimes misses it a little bit but eventually yeah. he kind of kind of clicks in yeah and 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 you know it was his play the, the play that he wrote that got him into rushmore right? that's right yeah that's right um, we should talk, we should talk just a little bit about those, those clubs and, uh, and, you know, th that, that success that he has at Rushmore that, um, Bloom, I, I always want to say Harold Bloom. Yeah. I always, always want to go Harold Bloom. Well, there's <laughs> right. something about the names, right? It's, I mean, yeah, well, totally. It's, um, sorry, what's Bloom's first name? Herman. Um, Herman, right. So yeah, Herman Bloom sees and, um, uh, you know that anybody else is, and that that um, that uh, that Miss Cross sees at first, and mm -hmm. that he is this remarkable kid, and, and mm -hmm. that Guggenheim would have seen early on. But he is—he's this remarkable kid who is, you know, inevitably forced to um, be remarkable in a system that does not re reward that remarkability. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it, it, it's um, it's it's that, you know, all these things that he does that would be would be great. You know, once you've finished school and you've gotten the grades and you can do that in the world. But while you're young, you need to get the fucking grades and be part of the system. Otherwise, um, you're going to go on double secret probation or, or whatever, you know, like whatever the, the, the Rushmore version of double secret probation is. Yeah. 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 It's a great scene. And yeah. it, it does take us back to, um, you know, our last discussion about self-direction, right. Is yeah. that Max is a self-directed learner. Yeah. Um, who is, um, despite being a self-directed learner is, is trying to find a way to survive in this, school that does not reward self-direction that's right right it, it rewards tradition and grades and um moving through the system like you should and that's why um uh bloom uh latches onto him because you know it's you know you can look at that speech you know take aim at the rich kids and yeah and get them in your crosshairs and 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 without re you know obviously max lies to him sorry i'm 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 going on and on, but no, please do. 
Max lies to him at first about, you know, where he comes from, right? That, you know, you know his dad's a, a, a brain surgeon, a neurosurgeon. Yeah. But, but ultimately, uh, Bloom was, you know, he grew up poor and he was self-made and um, he did it himself. And um, he sees this in Max as well from the start. And you see in that great scene where uh, right away Bloom says it's pretty, pretty, pretty remarkable guy or, or, you know, sharp, sharp, sharp little guy. Partially because Max compliments him. Yeah. But but also because he sees something in him. And immediately Guggenheim's response is he's one of the worst students we've got. Yeah. And it like what what a perfect way to illustrate um what it means to be a self-directed learner in a system um like yes you know well and along those lines like one of the things that a non-self-directed education system tries to to do is it's is it tries to prevent you from trial and error let's say it's it it wants you to get things right the first time and i see this a lot in my, I may have said this back in our other episode, but I see this a lot in the university courses that I teach where students come in and on the first day want to demonstrate to me that they already know the answers to everything that I'm going to, we're going to talk about throughout the term. And it's like, that's not, that should not, if that is your approach to education, that that you've got it, you've got it, you've got it on wrong somewhere. And you can't blame them for it. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah, because that is what they've been taught. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. A, it's a, a dog that would like a biscuit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You yeah. Know, they, right. They, they learn that system of reward and that's it. Yeah. And that's that's what, you know, Dr. Guggenheim is trying to, uh, who's the, who Brian Cox is fin- phenomenal in this film so, as, 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 as Guggenheim. But by the but, way, just, 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 a, just really quick. Do, do you know... Did you see why Brian Cox was chosen for this role or why no. they really wanted Brian Cox? No, no, no. Because they loved him as Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter. <laughs> like, does, doesn't that say something? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely does. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, and and I think one of the one of the, the great things about this movie is that you see Max as he is flawed like there's no doubt that he has he he makes mistakes makes many mistakes in the in the movie but for me at least he seems to learn from those mistakes and he's he's trying to like everything right like he he's essentially responsible for for Herman Bloom's marriage falling apart although clearly it wasn't in good shape yeah. before he came along but yeah. he's responsible for that he's treated um miss cross very very poorly throughout the film um and then he he tries to sabotage that relationship um and um you know he treats uh, um margaret yang poorly and she says she tells that she says that outright to him yeah you're a real jerk to me and you know he's he's tries to make up for those things i think and um and but and he's doing it very much on his own right he's doing it his own particular way yeah he is doing it on his, on his own but he can't do it without I, I it's it's not until that scene where dirk comes to visit him in the barbershop that um he realizes he needs to start putting things back together yeah and he's been a real right. asshole. 
Um, I, I think I think there's something really special going on in this film with the the way it's separated into into months, right? Yeah. And and I think you know I wrote a note last night, just something about you know that this film is is like a gross exaggeration of you know like what growing up is, right? Mm -hmm. In a, in a very fast you know uh, period. But he, you know, Max goes through this, you know, this sort of infantile obsession um, with Miss Cross and then, uh, you know, heartbreak and, um, and, you know, being out of school and, you know, the, you know, everything that you had dreamed of was going to be, you know, that what your life was going to be is ruined and he's working in a barber shop. And there's that really heartbreaking scene where he's, you know, the one guy who has supported him through all of it, which is his dad. Who yeah. Is, the sweetest man and also yeah. what a great example of of just pure support right like yeah. if you're gonna be like a self you know a parent a great dad a great dad a great dad based yeah. on based on uh charlie brown's dad oh really barber yeah and max was based on charlie brown when you see that hat that he's wearing very Charlie Brown-esque. Anyway, oh, yeah, yeah. so you get that that very, that heartwarming aspect of things. But yeah. um, you know, and he says, "I'm I'm a barber's son," and he, and he really, you know, he he he's hit rock bottom. And then it, you get the scene where he is uh, flying his kite, and Margaret Yang shows up with her plane, and 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 it's like they're seeing it. You know, it, it's been maybe it hasn't even been a month, but it's as if you know they're seeing each other after a couple years of being out of school and you know they've all, both gone off to university and they're seeing and she says she's she's matured and she yeah. says well, you're a real jerk to me yeah and uh and he can he can start to atone for that then but and yeah. you, you just have this rapid progression of mm -hmm. of of what it is to grow up um, yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah that's true. And it's, it's so special um I like that Margaret Yang is idiosyncratic too, because you know that, that reveal where she talks about how she she fudged the the results yeah. of her science thing, like like every every like you can tell why the characters sort of like each other because because Bill Murray's character is obviously very out of step with everything, and yeah. that's kind of solidified with that that shot that they steal that Wes Anderson steals from The Graduate, which there's a lot yeah. of parallels between those right. two movies, but, um, but where he goes into the water at his, at his uh, son's party, yeah. he just doesn't, he just doesn't fit in with anybody there at that party. He doesn't connect with anybody. And the fact that he went to this school as a, as a, or did he go to the school? Did he go yeah. to Russia? He yeah. Did. So yeah. he clearly, you know, didn't quite fit in with people there um, as a kid. And so um, you have Miss, Mrs. Cross, Miss Cross, who, Am I say that's her name, right? Cross, Cross Rosemary. yeah, Rose, Rosemary Cross. Yeah, yeah. Um, she writes that Cousteau quote in the yeah. book, so she has an affinity for that sort of um, yeah. that personality. And then you have Margaret Yang, who is, uh, you know, seems to be like when you first see her, like they show them they're showing the dioramas at the thing, and so you and everybody's like surrounding her, so you get this idea that oh, she's like the star. Yeah. Student. But she's not. <laughs> she's she's just like Max, right? She's just she's, faking it. She's faking it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, uh, which I, don't, I shouldn't say that's just like Max. They don't fake it, but they are they are not beholden to the, the system that they're in. That's right. That's right. And um, 
and so uh so yeah so you can sort of see how all those those characters gravitate together which which is I like your point about how you know he makes his change when Dirk comes into the barber shop mm -hmm. because the other sort of I think important part of that Cousteau quote, where when one has the opportunity to lead an extraordinary life, he has no right to keep it to himself. Yeah, and 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 the movie isn't just about like you know the ind individualism. There is a kind of it's about how we're all in this together to some degree, or I can try and bring this to all of you, and you can join me in this in this project. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it is, and it, it, you know, that's why I think at the end as well, you get that mass ensemble of everybody was there, right, at yeah. the play. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 not being kept, which which also I think is is so magical because um, so much so much of Max's existence is he exists, you know, in in his mind, right, as this mm -hmm. larger than life guy, right? This yeah. Life you know, it, um, you know, anytime you, you get his plays and there's applause, you get the the um, the overdubbed mass applause, right? When when Max steps out on the scene, because that's yeah. how he hears it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you 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 get you get the play at the end. I almost, you know, I had this I had this thought. I I don't think that this is what's going on, but you almost get this this feeling at the end, like, wow, is this even his in his imagination? Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, everybody who he ran into on this journey. Is there in the audience? The police officers. The um, uh, what's the um, what's the jan the janitor has the best name? <laughs> who's who's in a bunch of early Wes Anderson movies, right? He's, yeah. in, he's in. In fact, in fact, he's a he's a pretty prominent guy in in Bottle Rocket, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, what what's his his name? Oh man, I wrote it down because I it was just when I saw uh, it. I... Kum Kumar Palana. Yeah, he's and, and Mr. Little Jeans. Little Jeans, Mr. Yeah. Little Jeans, and, and 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 his son is the teacher in the Daydream at the beginning of the movie. Oh, the movie. is that right? Yeah, um, but you know everybody's there, and and that's yeah. just so. Um, I mean, it's very Fellini esque as well. Yes, right? like yes. Yeah. Um, so you 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 never know how much, uh, and it's often when those plays are going on, how much of it is actually in Max's. Uh, you know, in the grandeur of his imagination and, yeah. and how much of it isn't. And I think that's what I think is so magical because that's what fucking adolescence is. And actually that's what life is. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, that's right. We make up a lot of shit about ourselves <laughs> all the time just to make it through the day. That's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. well, I think that's a very valid way of looking at it or thinking about it because of course, how does that movie begin? But with a, dream sequence with a with a fake sequence right and, or, or it's something that's going on within max fisher's head and he becomes a star like he solves that big math equation on the blackboard and everybody crowds him and tells him how fantastic he is and that's kind of what happens at the end of the movie right he he, oh. he does this play uh which is which is crazy like you, you to do a play like this in a, in a high school a public school which is where he ends up and yeah. uh you know it's a it's a <laughs> It's like platoon. He's doing a version yeah. of platoon on on stage, yeah. And uh, and but everybody Bloom's tells story, right? Yeah, Bloom's yeah. version. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now I thought about this. Like, is this kind of like a fairy tale at the end? But I also think, you know, what I just said about this idea of you know the the idiosyncratic guy who brings all these other idiosyncratic people together. Again, I don't want to maybe draw too far firm a point on it, but the Max Fisher as Wes Anderson kind of thing. Right. But, 
but again, like that's Wes Anderson has sort of done that with his with his career, right? He brings a lot of the same people, yeah, um, right. Together, they 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 make they make this movie. It's it's a crazy movie. It goes out there, it gets some attention, and then he goes on to do the next one. Yeah, there's there's something there's there's a, a you know a lot of sort of similarities there between those those things. Yeah, and, and I I think the beauty is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's if it's you know a dream sequence or not or yeah. it's just just the 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 similarity so similarity to to life which yeah. is what is so great and that is that is just the greatest thing about um this being a movie about adolescence and and Max's adolescence and um Rosemary's attempt to get back the the past in some way and bloom you know wanting to revisit you know there's a reason that bloom is back at rushmore um giving a speech to begin with right like he's looking for something he's got these two jackass sons um and and he's he's trying to figure out where he went wrong yeah Um, yeah yeah. so um you know it's i I think everybody has uh you know I, i you know you define your adolescence by the friends that you had, the experiences you had, the school that you went to, but mostly by, you know, your first real heartbreak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that was the thing that, um, you know, I realized when maybe, maybe it was the, the second time I saw this film was, that was what spoke to me as well was that, wow, like, I know that feeling. I know yeah. that feeling of just wanting somebody to to want me back so bad and it's right. never gonna fucking happen like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Has sailed yeah um so you know he just captures so much of that in in so many ways um, yeah and i think that there's a, a sense too with the bill murray character that there's a kind of an arrested development going on like he didn't have that fulfilling of a of a school experience and yeah. part of maybe why he makes that speech at the beginning is because he wants somebody to do what he never quite got around to, to yeah. do. Yeah. And, uh, and then he goes off and fights in the Vietnam war and clearly doesn't have closure about that yeah. uh, because of his reaction to the play at the end. And I do think that there is this kind of like, at one point, Rosemary, who's the love interest of both Max Fisher and Herman Bloom in the movie says, you're very much alike. You're both, would she say you're both two boys or something like that? Yeah, or, you're both children, or you're both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is true of Herman Bloom, right? He, he. Right. I don't think he fully ever quite grew up because he never accomplished what he wanted to accomplish at Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, and and Max is in some ways doing that for him. Yeah. So if Max wants money to do something at Rushmore, he'll give him the money to do it. And um, she, you know, but the thing is, is that she she's denying it, but that's what she loves about both of them. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what she loved about her husband, right? Her husband, he was yeah. A boyish explorer. Yes. What uh, was his name again? Oh, uh, uh, I can't remember either, but they say it a bunch of times and it has a real kind it, of, it was another, yeah. Uh, another, you know, I'm going to look it up. Hold yeah. on a second. Um, uh, the other thing that I was going to say just about that, that boyishness and, and, you know, the, the imaginary throughout is the brilliant, um, almost action movie-esque dialogue uh, that those lines that play again and again throughout the movie, 
um, from that first moment where, where you know, his teacher's reaction to solving it, and the teacher goes, you got it. You know, like, and I got punched in the face. What, uh, what's your excuse? Or right. what in the hell is that? When Dirk gives him the uh, the Swiss Army knife, or, you know he's all, like er, like every line, yes. he's delivering as if yeah. he is a star in his own, as if he's Tom Cruise in in Top Gun or or whatever it might be. Well, that's why I think um, you know at the time uh, Bill Murray got a lot of accolades for this movie, and it was kind of the beginning of a turn in Bill Murray's career. Like he's. Yeah. He, started yeah. to make more more serious um movies although you know uh, he's he's kind of mastered the kind of tragic comedy uh mm-hmm. uh role or he did for a while i don't know actually if he's ever entirely fulfilled what he wanted to with his with his turn like uh he's he's mostly done a lot of good wes anderson movies and lost in translation and i'm not entirely sure outside of that if he's if he's there, has been as successful as a serious actor but there's something that is so incredibly tragic about bill murray that i think you're maybe you're nailing it. it 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 just feels like here's a guy who has he is beloved right like he is truly beloved yeah um but you really do get that impression that it was I mean, I don't know. Maybe Rushmore was it. Maybe Rushmore was the one. But um, that that despite all of it, that <laughs> there's just a sadness that that just radiates out of him so yeah. brilliantly. Yeah. That he doesn't even need to try, and it's and, and it's whether he's on screen or not. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and it makes him so perfect for for this role. But yeah, it, it is absolutely true. And he is, and he is great in this movie. He deserved a lot of the accolades that he got. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that kind of overshadowed um, Schwartzman because yeah. watching this movie again the other night, I think, I think it, I maybe it's kind of a happy accident, but like I think because it was Schwartzman's first movie that he was maybe trying really hard. Yeah, and and, I, and that really works for that for that role. Well, yeah, and you almost go, wow. <laughs> Is is that part of what's so responsible for you know the 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 dialogue delivery in the Wes Anderson movies that follow? Right, right, like like all of them, the dialogue is consistently being delivered as if it's two kids on a stage in like a high school play right. delivering lines. You know, like just the timing is just that off, just that yes. slightly off where they're not really listening to each other; they're delivering their lines, right. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Jason Schwartzman is brilliant in it, and I fell in love with him. And uh, really, you know, just thought like, wow, this he is the greatest. Um, well, uh, that's my thought. Is I don't know if it's hit like if it's a consciously great performance or well, if it's he's he's never he's never repeated. No, he hasn't. He no, hasn't. He really hasn't. And he's he's tried and and. Uh, I've liked other stuff that he's done, but he's it never he's never managed to do this, and no. and it's because of that innocence for sure, for sure. There's that bit where he's on the where they're on the um, what are those? Is there, is there a name for those seats that uh, like the tiered seats that you sit on in the, the gym? The, the, yeah, they're in like the indoor bleachers, whatever. Yeah, yeah. like bleachers, bleachers. Yeah. yeah, but these ones were uh, were were outside in the movie. Uh, I mean, they're inside too. But when he's sitting there and he's with uh, Miss mm-hmm. Cross. Yeah, and, uh, and she says something in Latin, and he's like, "What's that?" 
Oh, that's Latin, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> and it's such a like a anyway. it is like a really weirdly delivered line, but it's 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 just perfect for that character. Well, and, and he does that at the beginning with Bloom too. When he when he, anyway, I really think you were right about Rushmore. And he yeah. says it twice, right? But there's just this this oddness yeah. about him that you can't imagine Wes Anderson directing that, right? No. Like you can't. No. You can't yeah. imagine that. Um, but it is perfect for the movie. And and I think there's so many great um, performances. Like, every performance in it is really good. Her, By the way, um, her husband's name is Edward Appleby. Oh, yeah, Appleby. Appleby. So um, but, uh, but Olivia Williams is really good in it. And Seymour Castle is good as the father. Seymour Castle is beautiful. But let's just talk about Olivia Williams just for one second. Yeah. Because I... You know, I don't know. I don't know if if it's because now I'm the the Harold Bloom watching this. You know, years and years after Herm, I've seen it. Herman Bloom. Did I say Harold? Yeah. <laughs> See? Herman Bloom. Um, but my God, she is picture perfect in in that role. And I I'm not just talking about how absolutely stunning she is because it is so much more than that. It's the depth of her character. It's it's the way that she understands these guys. Yeah. Um, it's the way she speaks and just like just how deep she is when she's um, connecting with something. But I I just felt like um, that that role couldn't have been cast more perfectly. Yeah, um, it seems I, like she was perfect for that role. Just completely perfect. I yeah. I, I, I was just in awe. Um, maybe more than I was in awe. It, it was, it was almost last night as I was watching, it was almost as if I was watching uh, her for the first time in it. Just, she is just. Yeah. yeah. When she's, when she's angry, she's genuinely angry. Yeah. When yeah. she's, when she's, you know, being normal, she's very sweet. Like you could just see, you know, people like this in real life, yeah. right? They're incredibly sweet. And you think that, you think that they're, they're never anything but that, yeah. but then eventually you see that they have, uh, they can get upset about things. Yeah. And, and it's like, Whoa, that's, I didn't think that you had that in you. Well, that scene in the classroom, right? Yeah. Where she, she, she starts, you know, calling him on, on it. Yeah. And, and, and what he had tried to kiss her and pathetically falls into those boxes. And, yeah. Um, and, uh, and he eventually sort of runs away. Right. Yeah. And, that's uh, right. Um, it's, it's, it's incredibly deep. And then you, you really get the depth of her, uh, her character when, uh, when Max has, has come in through her bedroom window and, uh, puts on that in like, you know, at some point we need to talk about the music, but that which is so perfect for that scene. And she, you know, she's talking about, um, you know, uh, her, her dead husband and, and Max keeps bringing it back to, you know, you know, one, one dead little finger and yeah, she, yeah, yeah. of course to, to confront that, right. Like yeah. they're all confronting yeah. something that's been lost at some point and that's her moment to do it. And she does it so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great moment. That's a great moment. She, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the music. Oh. Um, when I, when I, First, I like I said, I saw the movie in the theater. Um, I I had seen movies with good soundtracks before, like Pulp Fiction had a good soundtrack to it, very kind of famously had a good soundtrack. 
Martin Scorsese's movies have a lot of good music in them. Yeah. But this was the first movie that I remember seeing where it was playing, he was, he was putting in obscure songs or deep cuts of things like um, nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl by the kinks. Like this, this really obscure song from their second album that, you know, would have been forgotten had it not have been for it being in this movie Um, and making time by the creation, which when that, when that came on in the theaters, I hadn't heard that song before at that point, but when that song burst out at the beginning of the movie after he's the worst, he's the worst student we have here. It's like and burst is a great word. Yeah, that's what the that's what the music does. Oh, yeah. Yoko, you know, like Oh, the, Yoko is fantastically yeah. placed in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So so many and 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 of a style like it's mostly sort of British sixties songs, yeah. but it was and because of that, I remember at the time thinking this is a movie for the first time that's playing music that I love. Like I love every single song in this yeah. movie. Well, I know you're and uh, you're a huge Kinks fan. Right. Yeah. And and I had read that initially he wanted all the music in the in the film to be kinks. Yeah. I remember um, that. I I remember that. That was in the liner notes of the soundtrack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I don't know what happened with that. But um yeah, and I, I think he's credited Mike Nichols as well with with sort of it's not just a, a, a like a of vi- um, he doesn't just lift the, some of the visuals from Mike Nichols, but music is very prominent in Mike Nichols. Uh, and I think the wind, the wind is in the graduate as well, obviously, right? And he's got the wind here. I, I think, it? It, I think it is. Yeah, we okay. should we should look look it up. Uh, Keep going. Um, the space, but, and I'll but, uh, I'll look that up. I I I fully agree that. Um, but yeah, Tarantino use, uses music a little bit differently than this. It's not, uh, he uses music as, you know, the way that action movies in the 80s sort of used music, um, you know, over these slow-mo, like, you know, uh, explosion sequences. But but he's doing it so artistically where he is, the, the music, it becomes one with the scene where, you you're you're getting everything that you need you couldn't have that scene without that song right without that yeah yeah um so it it, and i don't know if anybody has has truly uh you know accomplished that the way that that he did um particularly in this and in the royal tenenbaums well and i've discovered songs like i he's he's enriched my my um my ipod which i still use (laughs) <laughs> actually it's, it's actually not the one that you gave oh my, say, come on i think i gave that one to my dad i think my dad has that one I'm, it's, I'm, well you know what actually i'm very touched that's, that's yeah. amazing but uh but i uh but he's in he's enriched uh my my music collection certainly oh yeah um, I, I, yeah well I, I think any any uh anyone who's a fan of his movies would say the same thing it's, yeah the music is is a big part of that um, yeah Sorry, I, was the wind in in the graduate or no? I don't think so. I because that movie was very was was almost exclusively Simon and Garfunkel, right? right? So, okay. I, but but it, it you know what movie I think it was in because I, I remember being in another movie from the same time, roughly the same time that Rushmore was out in the yeah. same era, and I think it was in Almost Famous, but I, I don't I don't think it was in Almost Famous. 
Okay, now I'm gonna look this up. And it may have been if it's it may have been in Harold and Maud because Harold, uh, I think it was in Harold and Maud. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. I think it was in Harold and Maud. Harold and Maud is Mike Nichols, right? No. Harold and Maud is, uh, is is Hal Ashby. Oh, right. Okay. I think it was in Harold and Maud. It, it, it could have very well been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Next time we got to do a podcast dedicated to the wind. <laughs> Just the <laughs> movies with the wind yeah, in it. I think right. we'll, we'll, we'll do right. that. That's right. Um, that is, I mean, yeah, the wind is a, the wind is a fantastic song as well. Yeah. In fact, that was, that was the first time. That soundtrack was what made me realize that Cat Stevens was a British musician. Oh, is that right? I was like, this guy's not British. He's, oh, wow. To me, he sounds a very American. Uh, I've never thought about it, to be honest with you. I've never really thought about it. <laughs> I, I always thought he had an American. First of all, I always thought like he sounded, when I was a kid and my dad would always play father and son, Yeah, I thought Cat Stevens was like 70 years old. Right. Which he, I guess he is roughly now. He's probably older than 70 years old now. But at the time, I think he was like 20. Yeah, right. He's always been he's always been that age, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, so, but yeah, the, the the music in this is phenomenal. Um, and, and in, you know, in the latest movie, The French Dispatch, there wasn't that much. Um, there wasn't that much by way of music. Is that right? Yeah. See, that's what I mean. I I I really do feel like, um, uh, you know, after the Darjeeling Limited, which was also very very music oriented, that that um, even though you still get music in in his films, um, there was a bit of a shift uh, away a a little bit away from music, at least. Yeah. Um, well, partly he's doing these period movies, right? So right. you know, there's yeah. they, um, you know, like the Kinks wouldn't fit in as well in like the Darjeeling Limited or um, or in um, like uh, the French Dispatch. I have a theory about his his um, the, the the differences that you're perceiving between the the, the different eras. Yeah, Anderson, though, um, and that is like I have this theory about a lot of a lot of art, which is that when 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 an artist is first starting out, they don't really know what their thing is, right? They just, they're like, they want a thing, but they don't know what their thing is. Like they're heavily influenced by other yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The anxiety of influence. Didn't Herman Bloom write that? Um, they, <laughs> they, um, they don't know what it is. And then eventually they kind of figure out what it is. Yeah. And then, and then they do that in an extreme way. Yeah. Right. So, um, like, and mo most, most are doomed by that. A lot of people are. Like, we just talked about Fellini, and I love, like, Fellini is, like, you can tell his early movies are these neorealist kind of movies, which a lot of them are great. Like, La Strada is mm -hmm. a beautiful movie, yeah. and Knights of Cabiria. And, but then he does like La Dolce Vita, which is which is Fellini. I mean, that is, that is yeah. him f f oh, yeah. finding what his thing is. And then Eight and a Half. But then after that, like, it's like Juliet of the Spirits, which is a good movie and like Satyricon and movies like that. Now I'm starting yeah. to sound like the guy in the line in the movie, but, but it is, it, he, he is like pushing is like, oh, there's that thing that I do in eight and a half yeah. in Dolce Vita. I'm going to do an extreme sort of version yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and I, you do see that in a lot of, in a lot of great artists that they kind of have a, they, they have this great moment right at the, right at the, yeah. at the mid mid period of their career and i think that's happened to wes anderson although i think i think he's managed to still make great movies um 
despite the fact that he's he's getting more and more Arch Andersonian, if I may use a Eileen Jones phrase. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, I think, I yeah, I think for me what it is is, so I have this thing, and I was, I was talking to a friend the other day about it, that every time Wes Anderson uh, puts a movie out, I'm equally uh, uh, excited and terrified to see it. <laughs> because I, 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 I really want to love it, and I'm terrified that it is not going to capture the heart of my two favorite, my three favorite are, you know, the, the, the Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore and The Life Aquatic. And I think that there's serious, serious heart to those movies. Um, uh, and I don't, I love, you know, I love Grand Budapest. I love the others, but I don't know if he's, he has been able to continually, uh, to continue to capture the heart and the um, how sad those movies are. Like they're, mm. they're so incredibly sad, mm-hmm. um, and which is what makes them so great. And mm. I think what I love so much about his early work is is the sadness mixed with the humor. Um, and uh, and 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 each time I, I really want to feel that. And uh, and and sometimes I do, and and uh, sometimes I don't. Um, but the. I know for many people, myself included, the Darjeeling Limited was the first sort of misstep um, mm. as far as West End. And I, I even hesitate to call it a misstep, but it, yeah, it was the first one to, to feel like he was continuing to try to do something that maybe he has done or maybe, you know, that that maybe it's run its course. I don't I don't know what it was, but I continue every now and then to watch it and. I probably like it a little bit more each time I see it, but um, it's missing something as far right. as, even though it's sad, like it's very sad, but. Not see, sure. I like Darjeeling. The one I think that I'm most out of step with in terms of people's opinion is, is Moonrise Kingdom, yeah. which people will, if they were naming their favorite ones, well, it would, that one would probably be up there for a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, that's amazing to me. I, I like it, but yeah, I like it too. But I, yeah, like you say, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not quite the same as, yeah. as some of those other ones. Um, there is, there's, as a, you're, you're a dog man. That sounds like an insult, but I don't mean it that way. I do you're, love you, dogs. you love dogs. So, what do you think of Isle of Dogs? Um, I. Uh... You know the funny thing. So when the first time I saw that, I think I think Zola was three, maybe, and I took I took her to see it because I was like, yeah, it's cool. I like to expose her. I don't like, I don't really censor things sure. uh, as far as she goes. She probably sure. she probably knows more than 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 she. I don't know. I've stopped questioning this stuff, and I'm just going to go with it. Because right. Okay. Okay. I was I was I'll do a brief tangent. I was explaining to a friend the other day that. Um, we were talking about, you know, what what sort of advice uh, do you give to uh, to kids? And you you want to you want to want to make sure that you're not fucking them up, but you also don't want to uh, encourage them to go down a path that is, you know, they're going to close all these doors. And I, I I started to fucking realize that that's all bullshit because we don't fucking know. Like we're you know like yeah. we're, we're que- we question shit all the time. So the yeah. best thing you can do is stop trying to. Um, to to hide shit from them or to protect them or um or pretend that you fucking know when you don't right you right. don't know so just be honest 
right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, pro provide them with safety, but it's okay yes. to, for them to know that you don't know. Anyway, um, so I took her. And um, I, I, I feel like my, my, uh, my experience watching it was so, I was so overly concerned with, fuck, is she entertained by that? Like, is this right. stimulating her or not? Or right. actually, she she loved it. She she right, loved right, right. It. He probably liked it more than I did. Right. Um, <laughs> you were worrying the whole time. Yeah. Um, so it's it, you know it's another one of those Wes Anderson that I I think is uh, beautiful and phenomenal. Um, but I don't I don't go back to it like I do those right big, those big three. Right, right, right. Well, you, yeah. What do you think of? Uh, okay. I I think it was it was the one I connected with the least so yeah. far, um, and I think that I don't know why. I think I think I really like Fantastic Mr. Fox a lot. I yeah. think that that's a great one, and um, and so maybe it just felt like it I don't know if there's any likable characters in I Love Dogs. Like, there might not be. There might not be. Yeah, I can't. I, I can barely even remember maybe, it. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's it. Um. That's the problem. It's the one I one of the ones I've seen the most recently, and it's the one I remember the least. Which yeah. is, uh, but I mean, there's that's that kind of makes me think a little bit of like, um, like Tarantino, right? Is quite famous now for saying that he's only going to do ten movies. His next movie will be his last one. That's because, bullshit. I don't believe it. Do you believe that? I, yeah, I do. I do because he's he's too. He's I love. I really like Tarantino, but I think that yeah. he's too um, proud of a person. Right to uh to go back on that maybe maybe 10 15 years down the road he'll make another one or 20 years or something like that what did he say he wants to go on and make play right plays is that right right novels right right plays and, a and novel yeah. cool. he already did a play right the hateful eight was a play like let's be honest that the was hateful eight was a play yeah that's yeah. true that's true um have you have you seen any robert altman movies yeah yeah, uh, the player shortcuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I, what I was saying before about about you know Anderson and and you know this idea of the kind of um, that again that quote: if you have the opportunity to to lead an extraordinary life, he has no right to keep it to himself. Like I, again, I I think certainly stylistically, there's not you can't really compare Anderson and Altman; they're very different. But I think that. I think that that they both have the same sort of ethos in a way. Like they're both, um, like they're both movie, both filmmakers gather like groups of friends together and make it in a kind of an enjoyable yeah. experience. And um, it's still the one person's vision, but it's a very collaborative. A collaborative. I think I saw I was reading something that was a lot saying something not about all, the Altman thing, but but mm -hmm. that Anderson has a very kind of collaborative yeah. environment, and and I think again that kind of holds to what we're seeing with Max in the movie, right? That that you know he has this he has these this grandiose vision, but it's like this thing where he wants everybody to come along with him and sort of uh, uh, not yeah, even just like. But they they bring something to to him as much as he brings something to to them, because you know when he first casts Margaret Yang yeah. in his in his plays, he casts her in these very stereotypical, uh, almost racist uh, Asian depictions, right. and and by the end, uh, you know she's speaking as herself. It's her voice rather than a kind of a, a, um, a an accent. 
voice. And so, like, I think that he's he's learning because of his collaboration with other people as well. Yeah, I, I, and I, again, I think that that goes right back to that that scene where Dirk comes and visits them, and 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 he he just goes, yeah, like I I can't do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's still the big cheese, right? When he takes dictation and Dirk is so happy to be taking dictation again. That's true. Um, Which do you think that's the relationship? That was the relationship between uh, uh, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson? (laughs) Well, you know, I, 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 so I was, I was listening to, uh, or maybe I was reading about this and uh, the way that they worked was, um, you know, they would write scenes and, you know, Wes would, would give it to Owen and Owen would cross stuff out and, and give it back. And, and Wes Anderson would say, you know, rather than, I always felt like the crossing out was really harsh. I, I would just not type, you know, the stuff that I didn't like, I would just leave it out. Uh, right. Uh, right, 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 right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, there were scenes in the movie that, um, that Wes Anderson put in that, that Owen Wilson really didn't want to have in notably the scene where uh the really uncomfortable scene where max forces himself on on rosemary mm. uh you know you know that scene where he, where he he goes to kiss her and she pulls away and he keeps doing it and it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you really go like fuck like yeah you gotta stop yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and uh and mm-hmm. apparently to this day owen wilson is very uncomfortable with that scene right there's also a story that i, I that i found very awkward uh that um uh uh, initially, um, Rosemary and Max were supposed to make out in that bet, like when he goes, and uh, they couldn't find a way to write it. They just couldn't find a way to make yeah, it. Yeah, I'm right? glad that they didn't do that. Yeah, well, you know, and but Jason Schwartzman had heard about that on the set, and he was insistent that it, all, he talked about it constantly throughout the shoot. We got to do that scene. We got to do that scene. He made them shoot it. And it sort of made me feel like, oh, is Jason, is he a bit of a creep? Like, that's a little <laughs> creepy. Like, that is, you know, it's a little creepy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. And that's uh, funny. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that they didn't do that. It's funny, though, because, uh, like, you know, he does, he does do, like, uh, you could say that he, 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 um, you know, he, he's very creepy with Miss Cross, but he also, also attempts to murder uh, Herman Bloom. Twice. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that because for every time I think about Rushmore, it's those exchanges. Um, right. It's the back and forth between the two of them. And last night I wrote a note to myself, just just noting that I I always thought that that those exchanges were so much long. It was so much more a part of the movie because it's right, such, right. it's so brilliant, right? Like yeah. that is just so brilliant when they just start going back and forth and it escalates and escalates. And yeah, he's trying to kill him a couple of times. And uh, for the first time you, okay, so the first, the first sort of uh, the go uh, at, at him um, is when, you know, he puts the bees in the, uh, in the, in the room. And there's just that really incredible look uh, that w- when Bloom sees the hose um, and he smiles. Yeah. And like, okay, now, now we're on. Yeah. But it's also a, fucking right yeah yeah good for you and respect and then and then you get the scowl like (laughs) but you know don't think i'm gonna uh, lie down and he goes and he runs over his bike and then max cuts his brakes and then you know max and then the for the first time you really see what a bitch bloom is when he reports max to the cops that's right 
He's a That's real right. bitch. Like that is a bitch move. <laughs> <laughs> and then Max does the same thing when he goes and uh, and he tries to get uh, Miss Cross fired. And and Guggenheim, right. Guggenheim has that great line where he said, "I never took you for an informant, Max." Yeah. Which is, is like again very action movie esque, right? That's but, right. That's uh, again, right. It's great because um, finally you just you just get somebody going what are you doing you're like, who, who you're 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 bigger than this and yes. you're losing it yeah it's the first real real sign that he is yeah um yeah so it's even more parallels there where they're they're the same they're yeah. the same that's right uh, well and again like when he when he's got he puts the bees in in bloom's hotel room and he does that little smile like like that's the that's when he kind of recognizes that Max has really taken Bloom's advice at the beginning yeah, of the movie. That's, that, yeah, it's it's almost a, a conceited smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. He's learned that the mat the, the student has become the master. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's so subtle as well, though, right? It's also yeah. subtle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think what what Bloom ultimately wants is um is is a father like max has right like mm. you know it, it it comes together at, at the end in that when they reconcile right when max calls him to the bar i love how it all happens in the barbershop by the way mm -hmm. I, love, mm -hmm. I love that yeah and uh it happens with dirk there it happens uh you know um uh with with bloom and uh that that again that beautiful expression that only happens momentarily on Bloom's face when he, when Max says, I'd like you to introduce you to my father. And mm. in that one look, he, he, he fully gets who Max is. Yeah. You're me, right? Like you're me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and all he, all, all, maybe all it would have taken for Bloom is a dad like Max that, that mm. has these, that supportive dad, right. That didn't pressure him into being, you know, uh, a steel tycoon, the monopoly guy or whatever it is. Uh, there's this great line that, that Max's dad has, uh, that he says, um, to, to Max. And I just think this says it all. He says, I like being a barber. I'm good at it, but I, I always thought you'd try uh, a different line of work. You talked about being a Senator or a diplomat, right? <laughs> but his dad says it just matter of factly, like yeah, he right. always talks about doing that. No pressure. Like no right. pressure to do those things. Hey, whatever you've wanted to do, you know, whatever you, whatever. Yeah. You As I was out. watching the movie this time, it it occurred to me that there was only one time when the father kind of tries to discourage Max, and it's and it's after he lets him out of jail, and Max <laughs> says, "I gotta go get someone fired," <laughs> and and uh, yeah. he says, "I don't think that's a good idea, Max," and he leaves it at that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what there's a very there, there 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 would be a lot of temptation when you're writing that part to write the father as pathetic or as um castrated or as um too lost after losing his wife too sad it's none of that no it is a, no. a a truly beautiful human being who loves his son with everything yeah but is not going to uh ask him to be anything that he's not yeah you yeah know? 
Yeah. Um, because he knows he knows that 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 you know anything you say and and here's here's you know here's another point um you know that that when we see that typewriter that is that his mom gave him bravo max mm-hmm. um, love mom that's why max is still writing plays yeah. because because his mom said you're a writer here take that that's yeah. that's that's you know maybe one of the only times somebody in his life told him what he was yeah grasped onto that and you know what that's what we do when we're young right yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right that's yeah. right yeah so such a such a a great movie overall um and one one other thing just to again to just to lend to the sort of fairy tale aspect of the film too like the the movie does end with the with the curtains closing as yeah. well that's so right. there, there is this kind of uh Actually, the curtains close. It's it's weird. It's it's both so so much a part of this movie, and also so very oddly reminiscent of uh, of uh, David Lynch, which is yeah, which is very weird. Yeah, but, um, I had thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, uh, but two very two extremely different vibes going on yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but there's another idiosyncratic uh, filmmaker right there, That's David right. Lynch. You know, I had totally forgot. I had planned to um spend the the time with with my drink here and pouring a little bottle of booze into it and i had completely forgot um my brother brilliantly to this day uh whenever we're going going anywhere he goes well should we bring a bill murray <laughs> meaning just pouring, pouring a little that's stuff. fantastic yeah that's amazing yeah. my favorite part of that moment is these he's got the cigarette in his mouth and and then it's like halfway done, and he puts another cigarette in. <laughs> and uh, and there's the, the, there's that 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 line. Um, oh my god, the that vul- that's perfectly vulnerable line. Max asks him, "Are you okay?" And he says, oh, yeah. "Let me say, I guess I'm I, I'm a little bit lonely these days." Yeah, yeah, crushing. It is. Yeah. 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 And. Um, Okay, one 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 question because you said before there's no missteps in this movie, but there's one thing that I every time I watch I try and figure out why it's happening and I don't understand why it's happening. Okay. I don't know if there is, I don't know if I need to know why or if it's just. I think it's just a Bill Murray improv personally, and they just decided to keep it in. Yeah, I where he goes to see Miss Cross. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I can I can talk about this. Okay, okay. If it is, I hope it's. I hope this is yeah, the moment. Yeah, it is. Oh, he's go, go her, and he's trying to tell her well, that Max is sorry for for uh, his latest stupid thing that he's done, and with her, and um, uh, you know, she, and then he's finished with the conversation, and she goes back to work on the work with her students who are painting, and he just turns around and just starts running. The, the running, I don't, I don't understand okay. that at it's, all. It's brilliant. It's <laughs> so that he has an excuse for why his heart is beating out of his chest when he goes back to Max, because oh. he's falling in love with her in that moment. Right. Right. So he's right. Wow. Isn't that great? Yes. And I know that actually because that's that's. Um, uh, that is, uh, I've, I read that and that was, um, Wes Anderson went up to Bill Murray and he said to him, um, how do you feel about sprinting away at the end of the scene? And Bill Murray goes, oh, so I so, uh, so have an excuse for why my heart's beating out of my chest? Yeah, I can do that. 
Wow. And it's, but like, it's, it's so great because it's so odd. Right. And it's, it's fitting with like a lot of the, the, it, it's also very childish, right? Like it's also yeah. very like, I, I, for years I was just like, that's just so brilliant because he's just playing, like he's just illustrating what a child Bill Murray is and, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. enjoying these, these child games. But when yeah. you think about it like that, cause he's going back to Max yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and he's panting, right? Because right. he's realized in that moment that, shit i love her too right right and, he's, and this is his excuse for that yes yeah that's I'm amazing crazy. that's cool i know that's pretty cool i'm yeah. glad you had an answer to that <laughs> holy cow i i love it i love it yeah yeah well do you have any other thoughts about this uh... i have a, i have a lot and i've got a lot of stuff that i wrote down but i i feel like you know what the, the one of uh, this what one other one that I, i'd love to get your opinion on yeah the name rosemary so I know that that Wes Anderson's talked uh, in the past about being really uh, influenced by Polanski and Rosemary's Baby mm -hmm. in particular. And I was thinking about this last night and I was thinking, okay, is that is Rosemary a nod to Rosemary and Rosemary's Baby? And I thought it, it, if it is, it's sort of perfect because Rosemary in that movie is this, is this woman who is manipulated, mm -hmm. who's locked over, who is um, uh, sort of um, just... Um, just, just sort of transplanted into this place that that where all all these people around her are controlling her, mm -hmm. and she doesn't really know what's going on. She's struggling for her independence, and no matter what she does, she can't escape this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, I don't think that Miss Cross eventually gives birth to Satan's baby. <laughs> but I just, I, I think if that's the case, then you know, like we. Could, we we could spend another hour and a half really getting into how detailed he's really going, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, and, and you know, maybe maybe that's that's very uh, uh, much in the vein of of Lost as well, right? Where all of the names are, you know, <laughs> that's true. Our references to something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think that a lot of the names are are meaningful. Yeah. And I think that that's certainly quite possible. I do. I would. The only thing I would say is that I think that. You know, the way you were describing Rosemary from Rosemary's Baby, where she really, she doesn't know what's happening through, through yeah. most of that movie. Like, she just doesn't quite, she doesn't, she doesn't, certainly doesn't understand her husband. A lot. Anyways, we won't yeah, get into Rosemary's yeah, Baby. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but um, you know, and it, but it strikes me that Rosemary and Rushmore really knows what's going on. Like, I think that she's, she's more aware. Yeah, of, you're right. She does. She, but she's. She's more aware, but she can't escape it. No. Yeah. Yeah. But even in that in, inability yeah. to escape it, she's like, like I, I think that line is I great. Right. I think you're when, right. When Max goes yeah. and says to her, like, um, Herman is building this aquarium for you. And she says, I never asked anybody to yeah. build it. <laughs> I never asked anybody. <laughs> which, is, which is a great line, you know? It's, it's like, great. and again, that speaks to all that kind of like that, the whole history of like, men making these grandiose gestures right. it's like also, i don't maybe he's rewriting rosemary rewriting rosemary there i like that we, uh, yeah, I, I, ironically enough that was the original title for, uh, for rushmore <laughs> rewriting right rosemary well i think i think it we should write a we should write a book of film criticism yeah, on with anderson and call it rewriting rosemary do you know do you know what the original premise of rushmore was going to be 
No, I didn't even, I, I didn't know it was anything it other was than that. Max's, Max's, Max was, it was going to be Max trying to become the headmaster of Rushmore Academy and going to war with, with Guggenheim. <laughs> would like, you like to see that movie as well? That would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. It yeah. would be. That's funny. Uh, um, yeah, that's, that's really funny. I like, I do like um, the, the, the whole Max uh, Guggenheim relationship is, is so good. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, think, I, think, I think what makes those relationships so great is that Max uh, it, it doesn't doesn't treat any adult as if they're an adult, uh, yeah, you know, or as if he's a kid, right? That's what's. I was thinking too. Like, there's there's definitely like I know that Wes Anderson is very. It's in that article by Eileen Jones, in fact, where uh, how he how he has a big affection for New Yorker. Um, the New Yorker and New Yorker writers. Yeah. To me, there's the writer that I th I think of first when I think of the New Yorker is, is J.D. Salinger. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of Salinger uh, in oh, Wes Anderson. God. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. certainly, He's I think, yeah. certainly Royal Tenenbaums, there's a lot. And, and um, but also, like, Salinger's kids are always wiser than you would expect kids to be like uh, certainly wiser than kids are normally depicted in, in films and books and things like that. Yeah. And um, you know, Rushmore is, is or Fisher is, is, is 15 in this movie. And I don't know how old Holden, Holden Caulfield is in uh, Catcher in the Rye, but he's around 16. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of that going on where his, his, his kids are often very, wise yeah. um you know flawed just like holden caulfield is but um but you know have we have we talked about this with holden caulfield was it you that i was talking to about this that that went back and read it years after reading it as a teenager and and you know as a teenager you read in, in holden caulfield's like a god and you read it as an adult and you just think holden caulfield's an asshole <laughs> Somebody, well, told, somebody told me that I haven't gone back and reread Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that was what I was afraid of with going back to rewatch uh, Rushmore. I uh, is that did you steal that from your, your your high school? Like that looks like a high school English copy. No, no, I think it's an original. I think okay. it's an original. I didn't pull Alaska. Oh yeah, but. Um, I uh, no, I I don't think he's an asshole. I think he's extremely sad, though. I think that yeah. Caulfield's very very sad. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I think though that that's like people like I'm a big Salinger fan, and I think I think I think people kind of get the wrong idea about his stories because I think I think people say they hate the Catcher in the Rye because they're like I hated that character Holden Caulfield, but like you to me I read him and I don't think at this point. Like you're right. In high school, you think he's a god, but at this point, I don't hate him, and I don't think you're supposed to hate him. But I do think you're supposed to have a lot of pity for this yeah. guy. Like well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you just pity him more. Than, yeah. than you did. Yeah. When you're young, um, um, and and you know, I think I think that that sort of brings it full circle here, right? Because that that there's that that lens of viewing this this world that you can, you can pity and look down on somebody like Max, or you can, um, you can try to live it with him 
right? Like, yeah. Like Bloom does. And all, you know, Bloom fails at it, right? Bloom inevitably just becomes an extreme, a sadder version of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. But I do, I will say, like, I remember when I watched this movie, I said, as I said, I was 18 and I saw it in the theaters. And, you know, I'm not one to think that I need to, like, I need to connect with, like, I need to, see myself on on the screen when i when i watch a movie but i i will say when i saw rushmore for the first time i was like this i've never seen a character who i feel like more of more kinship with right than with than with this character right yeah i totally get that i still i could still see you like that (laughs) which is interesting because i watched it with gina the other night and her main discussion afterwards was how much she hated uh, max fisher (laughs) that's that's not a good sign but uh but uh well okay should we should we wrap it up or do you want to i guess guess so i mean i uh yeah let's let's wrap it up are you sure yeah let's i mean there's other stuff but you should show your pen show your pen oh yeah the uh so so there okay so i got this years ago it's a patch, and I, I, I've been meaning to put it on uh, on a blazer, and uh, I pulled it out for today. But I got this from uh, a friend of mine owns a store uh, in uh, in Hamilton, like a vintage store called Girl on the Wing, and uh, she sells this stuff. I also got a uh, a Sunnydale one, a Sunnydale. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, I pulled that out for tonight. I never, I, I, I never really thought about the bee on there which is sort of funny right oh yeah yeah that's right yeah what's funny oh yeah because he was a the beekeeper yeah oh that's right the beekeeper society there you go yeah yeah that's cool (laughs) that's awesome yeah um did you want to uh last time you were on you were you were you plugged uh something do you want to do you want to uh give it a shout out again or do you want to actually you know what It's, it's good timing because uh uh, Giving Tuesday is coming up, I think, next week. And uh, Passages Center, which is, again, uh, a center for, for self-directed learners, um, is, uh, is very worthy of, uh, of, of a give, of a gift, if you're thinking yeah. about giving on, uh, on Giving Tuesday. So, yeah, check out Passages Toronto uh, uh, on Ossington. Awesome. Yeah. Joe, thanks, thank thanks you so that. much for coming on. Thanks. I, I, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope it was good. Oh, this is so interesting. And I think, um, again, I knew that you liked Wes Anderson, but I did not know until we just started talking tonight that this was your favorite movie. So I'm really glad that we, uh, I'm glad that I asked you and I'm glad I, that, I am too. Uh, I, and, and, and that you postponed it for me. You had asked me a while ago and I, I was unable. So, uh, thanks for postponing it. And well, the timing worked out perfectly. So yeah, uh, great. Happy to do it. Well, but, I'm still waiting on the invitation to come back to discuss Lost. So we should we should do that. We should absolutely do that. Um, oh my God, that yeah. will we have to go back and do that. <laughs> one, you know, one day we'll do it. We will do it. Yeah. Absolutely in the uh, in the sideways world. Um, well, that's it. If you if anybody is has is make made it to the end of this. Uh, uh, God bless. And also, um, can't you see they're all there? Everybody <laughs> that that was that was here through this whole journey, they're, they're all here. here in the audience. Can't you hear the uh, the, the, the the applause? I can. I can hear it. They in made my head. a hit podcast. What the hell did did they do? <laughs>
<laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about uh, Luke Wilson in this movie. But anyway. Oh, my God. Well, uh, arguably the greatest scene in the yeah, film. Yeah, that's right. And, and the, the greatest line. Scene. Uh, oh, are and, they? Oh, are they? And the fact that, and I and I guess I must have picked up on this before, but the fact that he never calls him by his name, ever. <laughs> you know what my favorite part of that is? When he when he hits uh, Luke Wilson's hand with the spoon. Yeah. Do you want me to pass you the milk guy? <laughs> and it, I think that was it. Like this time around, I think I always thought that he was calling him like, like I thought maybe right. I was just confused. He was calling him Guy, like his name was Guy. Like, no, he's using Guy. <laughs> and the best is, is at the end of it, you know, uh, 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 Herman's just mortified that this is happening. Yeah. And he's like, you, maybe you should call, calm down. And, and Miss Cross goes, you're the one that ordered him whiskey and soda. <laughs> So oh God! Uh, and, and apparently, that that "Oh, are they?" Uh, uh, line was w Luke Wilson wrote that line. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Those Wilsons. And the other, the the, the third Wilson is the uh, the other Wilson is the uh, the gym the, the gym, gym the gym coach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, He's right. also great in the movie. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He calls he calls him Maxi. 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 Yeah. Great voice. Do you know what's so funny? Is, and I, I, I don't hear this, but when I was I was watching the uh, the Charlie Rose interview last night with uh, Wes Anderson, and Victoria uh, uh, was listening. She, she goes, "He sounds exactly like Owen Wilson." I've never I've never heard that in in Wes Anderson's voice. But then I started hearing that they they have some. They of that. have that same voice. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to. The Wilson twang. It's you can't. <laughs> you you, you got to love it. It's so great. You do. You do. Yeah. It's very, it's very imitable. It is. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Uh, and if you, if the viewer, the home viewer would uh, liked what uh, you saw here and why the hell would you not? Um, please feel free to like and subscribe. Or if you're listening to this on uh, a podcast, the audio version. Um, do you do that? Do you have the audio versions? We do. Yeah. We're oh. on uh, just, just through, just through Apple though. Okay. Oh, not because I have any particular affinity for it, but um, yeah, I don't know how to get it on any other <laughs> platform. So, so you can't do that thing where you say wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you get oh, your podcast, no. you have to say on Apple. That's you good to know. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad to know it's on Apple. Uh, it's on Apple. Yep. Yeah. So okay. yeah, if you uh, you don't want to if you don't want to spend the time watching me, you can uh, you can listen to it uh, on there. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, oh, oh yeah, so if you do, uh, please feel free to give a, a a rating, preferably a good one, and um, and that's all. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks so much, Joe. I do Thanks. hope you come back and talk about something else at some point. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. We'll uh, see you guys next time. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>